Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you uh, brought a Bible with you to church, uh, you can go ahead and get that out. Or uh, if you didn't and you want to use your phone or tablet, you can do that too. Maybe uh, if it's your first time to church in a while, uh, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I use an app called Version, Y-O-U Version, and uh, you can download that and follow along in the scriptures today. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. So uh, you can go ahead and scroll down to the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, uh, Matthew, and we're going to be in chapter 16. All right. And I'll tell, you, uh, I'll tell you what verse here in just a second. So uh, we'll be in Matthew chapter 16 today. And um, I'm really excited because after this, we're all going to go outside and we're going to celebrate our first baptisms as a church family today. So yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, we thought we'd just fit everything into one day today. So uh, we're so excited uh, to get to do that. So, but I wanted to share just from my heart to you, uh, just something the Lord put on my heart uh, today that I think is uh, really important from God's Word. And, um, and so I just, it was just had this moment of this morning, like looking around and, um, and just kind of seeing faces and some of you familiar faces, some of you new faces, and, um, and just thinking about literally what a miracle this is. Like, like literally just to move in the middle of a pandemic, we packed our family up and it was kind of like we were trying to push the brakes, but the car wouldn't stop, you know, and we're trying to do everything we can to slow things down. And, you know, all it would have taken is to go look at Terry and say, do you think we should do this? All he had to do was say no, and we never would have done it. We would have stayed right there. But instead he said, yeah, go, what are you waiting on? And, and God had, had plans. I just remember like before we ever launched this church, this church met as a group of people in a living room. Like we had literally moved into a, um, a house and like I couldn't even, like we hadn't even finished unpacking yet. And we had people like showing up in a living room and, and I couldn't believe it because it was during the pandemic and we were all like wearing masks. And so it wasn't until like months later that we even knew what each other looked like. That like we could even like understand each other without a mask. And you know, you're introducing yourself to people and it, they're kind of like, yeah, I know I've met you like 20 times. It's like, oh yeah, sorry. And it was just kind of this crazy time. And then to look around and to go, man, Literally, like this church started by a group of people. We met together in a living room. We, uh, we ate food. I think we had chili the first night or something. We, we had food, and then we got in a living room, and we all got on our knees, and we prayed to Jesus that he would build his church. And here we are a year later, and like, not that Jesus has built his church and we put a flag in and say mission accomplished, but he is still building his church. So let me explain to you what I mean when I say building his church. When I say building his church, here's what I mean. Jesus is changing lives. Because the church is a group of people gathered together whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. That is the church. And when we say that Jesus is building his church, we mean that he is changing lives of people and putting them together only in a way 
that would bring people together in a way of Jesus. Because let's be honest, like what business do we have, this group of people gathered together on a Sunday, a random Sunday morning? Like we have no business being together other than Jesus. And so this is so amazing. So I just want you to hear me say this. Only Jesus could have done this. Like we did not order church in a box. We did not go online and like print out a church planting manual and check all the boxes and lists. We got on our knees and prayed for this day. We got on our knees and asked God to change hearts and change lives. And he did it. You know why? Because Jesus is alive, friends. Jesus is alive. So um, we're going to read this passage. It's a familiar passage to some of you, like if you've grown up in church. If you haven't, you might be hearing it for the first time. And so uh, I'm not going to explain the whole thing, but I just want to point out a few things to you, okay? So Matthew chapter 16, and let's start in verse 13. Okay, Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. If you're there, say, I'm there. Awesome, man, you guys are so good. All right, Matthew 16, uh, starting in verse 13. Here's what it says. Uh, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, hmm, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, man, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The word of the Lord. Everybody say amen. It's so good. Now I want to point a couple of things out to you. Okay, first thing is, I want you to go back up and look at verse 13. And it says this, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi. Okay, now this is an important strategic place. Because Jesus, like, he could have asked this question anywhere. He could have gone, like, he could have waited till they were in Samaria or in other places and just sat his disciples down. But for some reason, Jesus waited until they were in Caesarea Philippi. And I want to show you guys a picture of what ancient Caesarea Philippi looked like. It looked something like this, minus probably the, the flat walking boards. And, uh, uh, and so this is Caesarea Philippi. And so imagine Jesus with his disciples walking around, stops somewhere around here, and he, and he sits them down and he says, hey guys, I have a question. Now I want you to know, first and foremost, the disciples would have been really weirded out. Like, why is he telling us to stop here? Caesarea Philippi was not a place that you would like gather the family together for a picnic. Okay? This is not a place that you're thinking like, hey, yeah, this looks like a nice little spot. Let's all get together and share a meal. Like, this is a place the disciples were thinking like, okay, let's just get past Caesarea Philippi. I see a place up on the hills. We can stop and have lunch. And Jesus stops them right at Caesarea Philippi. And they stop right here, and he looks at them and says, who do people say that I am? And they start going, well, some say you're this, and some say you're this. And everybody's kind of got a different answer. And then he stops and he says, well, uh, what do you think? Who do you think I am? And Peter, Peter's always the big mouth, all right? There's always a big mouth. Peter's like always the first to answer. Like whether it's right or wrong, at least he says it with confidence, all right? Kind of like me trying to pronounce most of the Old Testament. You just say it with confidence, all right? It'll happen. And so this is what he says. Peter says, well, you're the Christ, 
That word Christ just means Messiah. It means the one who was prophesied about who is to come. So it's him saying, you're it. You're God. You're it. Like, you're the man. And, and, and Jesus is so like, oh, that's awesome. And he says, you know what, uh, Peter, on this rock, and there's some talk, I mean, was he talking about like on this rock is the rock Peter, is the rock the message that he is the Christ? It doesn't matter. Here's what matters is the next thing Jesus says. On this rock, he says, I will build my church. You guys remember what it means to build a church? In other words, he's saying, I will change lives. And, and he looks at it and he says this, and he says, in fact, I will change so many lives and I will do it all over the world that even the gates of hell will not overcome the work of me changing people's lives. I mean, this is what is amazing because in Caesarea Philippi, right here in that picture, you guys see there's like a little cave opening kind of front and center. There was a cave. Now, we don't know for sure, but historians, archaeologists think it would have looked something like this in Caesarea Philippi, a little cave entrance that was nicknamed the Gates of Hades or the Gates of Hell. And what happened here was a place of idolatry. It was a place of worship. And I'm not going to get into the types of worship. You can Google it later if you really care. But let me just put it this way. It was really dark and kind of disgusting. All right? Uh, and this is what was happening. And this is where Jesus stopped to have a picnic. And Jesus stops right here. Like, he's, there's probably all sorts of bad smells. There's probably all sorts of, like, yelling. There's probably all sorts of stuff going. And Jesus is telling them, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to change people's lives. And the gates of hell, all right? He's like pointing at Caesarea Philippi. He's like, even the darkest of places is not going to overcome the work that I'm doing in the world. Man, I want you to hear me say this. I think it was strategic that Jesus said this in Caesarea Philippi. Because I think he would want you to know this. Your life does not scare Jesus. Like, I want you to know that. I want you to know that your life does not scare him. I want you to know, listen to me, church. Your past does not scare Jesus. Your past might scare me. Your past might scare the person you're sitting next to. Your past might scare your spouse. Your past might even scare you. But listen to me. Your past does not scare Jesus. Jesus decides to make the proclamation that he's going to build a church through changed lives and he decides to do it in one of the darkest places that he could find. He decides to make that announcement. And so listen, it is on your darkest of days. Where you go, man, why would God want me? Like, I'm just sad all the time. Or I've got, I've got all this mental health stuff. Like, I've, I, maybe you're suffering from depression. Maybe you have stuff going on. And you just go, Brandon, would God want me? Maybe you're thinking about stuff you did this weekend. Maybe you're thinking of thoughts that went through your head on your way to church today. Maybe you're thinking about stuff that you've done decades ago that you still carry shame and guilt over. Church, listen to me. Jesus is not scared of that. He is not scared. That does not scare him. If you come bring that and lay him, lay that at his feet and say, okay, Jesus, if you want me, just know you're getting this. Jesus would go, yeah, that's still not as bad as the gates of hell because not even that is going to overcome the work I can do in your life. You are not too far gone. You have not blown it. 
You have not done too much to be welcomed and received by Jesus. And let me tell you something. His love does not work on a merit system. Did you hear what I said? Because everything else in Northern Virginia works on a merit system. You're good enough at your job, we'll give you nice little gold stars and you can work your way up, right? You're good enough at home, you're good enough little boys and girls and we'll put stars on your chart and you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get bad. God's love does not work that way. God exchanges all the bad you've done for only the good that He can do. Like He doesn't, like on your best day, you're not good enough for Jesus. Like I'm talking, you're like, man, I'm doing good so far. I haven't even had time to sin yet today. Like I'm at church, like I'm about to nail this cupcake, but other than that, like I'm doing pretty good today. Brother, sister, I got news for you. You still don't measure up to Jesus. But I got good news. I got great news. Jesus ain't putting gold stars on your chart in heaven. There is no crown with more jewels coming. Not in the Bible. Okay, Just a manipulation tactic to make us better behaved. Jesus comes and overcomes your badness. Even what you think that is goodness that doesn't measure up to Him, He runs through it because He's not scared of your life. He is not scared of your mess. He is not scared of your depression. He is not scared of your insecurities. He is not scared of your worries. He is not scared of your stress. He is not scared of your bank account. He is not scared of your hurt. He is not scared of your doubts. He is not scared of what you're scared of. Jesus welcomes you with open arms. This is who He is. And man, I just wanted you to know, I don't think it was an accident that Jesus chose to announce the building of His church at Caesarea Philippi. I think it was such a welcome picture of Him saying, man, you think your life is standing at the gates of hell? I got good news for you. You're still not too far gone. Because not even when you're touching the flames can that overcome what Jesus can overcome in your life. Here's the next thing He says. Jesus says that he will build his church. And I just want you to hear me say this. He, he says it uh, in verse 18. He says, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I want you to see right here <laughs> that um, Jesus does not tell Peter, go build my church. And this is why I don't like it when people say like, that I'm a church planter, okay? that I plant churches. First of all, it makes me sound like a gardener. Okay, makes me sound like I do the landscaping for the church, which I'm not opposed of. We just don't own this building, so I don't have to. Uh, but I, I really like, like, because here's the bottom line. I don't build this church. I didn't build this church. And you didn't either. Jesus built this church. Like, we are all here because of Jesus. We are all here because we have had a moment with Jesus or we have not had a moment with Jesus yet. Like we are here because of Jesus. We are not here because Brandon built a church. We are not here because Impact built a church, man. I mean, marketing, logo, be dang. Like it's gone. Like it doesn't matter, okay? Like we launched this church by making disciples, not mass mailers. Like we, this is important because Jesus says, I will build my church. And you know what I love about that? It frees us up to do what he actually calls us to do. And that's the three things we've been talking about this month. To intercede for our city. That means to pray for them. To invest in our city. 
That means to build relationships and love people and to invite people in our city to trust in Jesus and come be a part of biblical community. Isn't that amazing? Like Jesus says, I'll take care of building the church. You just go do what you can do, which is to pray and to love and to bring people along with you into community. Like that's, that is so freeing to me. Like, like if I was the only one that showed up here today, it's okay because Jesus is the one who builds his church. Man, and I love this. Here's the third thing that it says. The third thing is, uh, he says this, and worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up, but he says this uh, in verse, um, it would be helpful if I would tell you, in verse 19. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love this part because listen to what it means. What it means is that Jesus says he will build his church, but then he doesn't let us off the hook. Jesus says, I will build my church, but I'm giving you the keys to it. How cool is that? I mean, that's like a parent saying, I'm buying you a, a new car. I don't know. What's a rad car these days? I don't even know. I drive a Ford Escape. I don't know. Probably a Tesla or something. I don't know. Is that a new thing? Okay. If somebody says, hey, here's a Tesla. It's my Tesla. I built it. I know everything about it. It's brand new. It belongs to me. Here are the keys, though. You get the keys. It's amazing. All of you were given a key on your seat. Get that out. Everybody hold on to your key. Because here's the thing. The truth that Jesus is not afraid of your life and that Jesus will build his church does not release us from a kingdom purpose that Jesus has given to us. And this kingdom purpose, you can't get backwards. Okay? If you don't have a key, just steal somebody. I mean, um, to, sorry. Uh, use one, borrow one. A lot of times, we get, we're like, okay, so, like, what does that mean? I'm going to have to be a weird Christian now? I've got the keys. Are things about to get weird in my life? Maybe. But here's what it means. It just means now you've got Jesus, and he's got you. See, uh, when I think about keys, this is uh, really kind of fun, because um, I actually think about Mark and Robin. Because when I first moved to Northern Virginia, I was a young, dashing, handsome, funny, articulate, well-made young man. Wouldn't you say, Chris? <laughs> Don't lie in church. Mark and Robin <laughs> said, yeah, you are all those things, but you need a lot of help. And so here's what they did. That was the first or second time we started hanging out. They were sitting at the table, and uh, Mark slipped me a key. I said, uh, I said, what's that? He said, it's our house key. I said, uh, what's the deal? You want me to dog sit or something? He was like, yeah, actually, I do. Uh, next week. And I was like, okay, yeah, I have no life, so sure. And then after I dog sat, I said, here's your key. And I'll never forget it. Mark and Robin looked at me, and they said, why don't you just keep it? And I said, well, I don't really have any intentions on dog sitting anymore because after the ER visit, after your dog took a chunk out of my hand. And they said, they said, no, not for the dog. They said, just for you. Because you may need a place to come. And if we're not home, you may just need a place to sit that feels like home. You may just need a place that you can go and rest. 
Or you may just need a place to sit and wait for us so that you can vent to us or talk to us. But they said it doesn't matter why. It's just you may need it. And so here's a key. And uh, they took my key away not too long ago, actually. <laughs> it's okay, my wife still has one. So, But here's what that key was a sign of. That key was a sign of our relationship. See, we had a relationship. They weren't just giving keys to people they didn't know. They're not just like, well, at least that I know of. They're not just out like, should have checked on that. They're not just out giving keys. Listen, it was a sign of a relationship. We were in a relationship. And guys, when Jesus looks at his disciples and says, I'm giving you the keys, it's a sign that he's in a relationship with us. Jesus isn't giving the keys to people that he doesn't love, all right? And I want you to know if Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, but I'm giving you the keys to it, that means that this functions in a relationship with God, that God wants a relationship with you, that he's not just giving you the keys because you're an employee and you have to open up early. He's giving you the keys because he loves you. He's giving you the keys because he wants to spend time with you. He's giving you the keys because he wants you to know him and who he is. He's giving you the keys because he cares about you. Here's another thing. It was a, giving me the key was a sign of, of them serving me. Them saying, hey, raid our fridge, raid our coffee, hang out, sleep on our sofa watch our TV, like it was a, I mean, they were giving me their home, saying, hey, we don't care what time it is or when you need it, here's the key. It was full freedom, but it was them serving me. And church, listen to me, when Jesus gives us the key, he is serving us. He is taking the life of shame, the life of guilt, the life of our past, the life of regrets, the life of things that don't measure up, and he's exchanging that, and we're giving him our doubts and fears, and he's handing us a stinking key to his kingdom. I mean, that is serving us. And Jesus served us most when he went to the cross for us, and he gave his life, and it was the full culmination of the key. But see, it wasn't just then, because three days later, Jesus didn't just die on the cross to forgive us. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. And he walked out of that tomb with a ring of keys. And he said, now you see what I'm talking about? A key for you, and a key for you, and a key for you. He said, I have served you well. I have given my life. I have forgiven your sin and I have wiped away your debt and now you can know God the Father. And here's a key to his house. The last thing we learn about this key is it's a sign of responsibility. The disciples weren't told, I'm going to build my church, here's a key, now just go do nothing and keep living the way you were before I got here. They said, here's a key, life is about to change for you but it's a good change. You're about to start living the dream that you never imagined you could. And here's a key to it. And see, that responsibility became by saying exactly what Pastor Terry told us to. He stands and he says, here's the keys. And we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will receive your service. I will receive your relationship. And I will go fulfill my kingdom purpose. And I will go live the dream to make the name of Jesus famous. 
And so church, as we end today, I wanted to encourage you, number one, to receive this key from Jesus. See, some of you, maybe you've never given your life, like you've come to church, you've played the game, you've done religion, but you've never like received this offer from Jesus where he says, take it, take it. This is me serving you. This is my desire for relationship with you. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to give you the kingdom here. It's yours. And I don't know what's been holding you back, but for some of us, man, we get so close to that key and then we just tell ourselves we don't deserve it and we walk away sad. But today, I'm here to tell you that you don't deserve it and Jesus wants you to have it anyway because he will turn your life into something worthy and he'll change your heart around into something that does deserve the key. And so take it today. Give your life. Say, yes, Lord, and give your life to Jesus and receive the key that you don't deserve but that unlocks the most amazing relationship with God that you'll ever have. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.